this week's NFL picks. Welcome to NFL Friday, the Conference Championship Weekend Edition. I'm Tom Scabelli, joined today by Brendan O'Connell and Brett Lambert. John Furlong behind the glass producing for us. Guys, we're almost at the end of this football season. We have just three football games left. Five if you count the Pro Bowl and the Puppy Bowl. I don't know which is more important. It could be the Puppy Bowl, to be honest with you. But three <laughs> legitimate, meaningful football games left. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so nervous. I'm a Pats fan, so it's a big week for us. This season week, starts this week big for week you, for me. Basically. Yes, <laughs> season starts this week exactly because last week. I mean, we probably won't even talk about it too much, but just that Houston team that went into Foxborough, really not a great team. They beat a very banged up Raiders team, and um, so yeah, it starts this week, and I think it starts this week for the Pats too because they had a dreadful week last week. But just my take on it. Oh uh, yeah, I mean. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be depressed. I mean, what do we got to look forward to? Saturday, NBA basketball. College basketball. College maybe. basketball as that heats up in a month or so. But it's been a great NFL season. I look forward to finish pretty strong. Yeah, so let's start. We'll recap the, the four games from last week, and then we'll look ahead to these two games coming up on Sunday. Let's start with what was really the, the seventh game of the playoffs, but the first one that was really good at all was the Packers-Cowboys game. Packers won 34-31, one on a Mason Crosby 56-yard field goal as time expired. That was an awesome game. Two historic franchises, two great teams, two great quarterbacks going at it. Packers came out on top, and I think that could be the game of the year. It's except the Seattle-Arizona 6-6 tie on <laughs> Sunday night. <laughs> that football. one's unforgettable too. <laughs> yeah, no, but Dallas especially I think showed a lot as as that young team. Um, you know, they were down. 21-3 in that first half, I thought it was going to really get away from them. Then they came right back down the field as people were starting to, you know, whisper Tony Romo's name. Maybe he comes in, um, you know, sparks a fire on offense. But Dak just drives him right down the field, hits Des for a touchdown. Then they're right back in the game. They climb into a one-score game by halftime. And then they come back again in the second half, tie it with less than a minute to go, and they just kind of got unlucky that they're facing Aaron Rodgers at one of the one of the best times of his career I think he's just on yeah, fire right now but um yeah what a game and and Mason Crosby too th with those clutch kicks at the end I mean he made three field goals with less than two minutes to go one of them didn't count obviously with the timeout to to ice him but he's got 23 consecutive playoff field goals I think now and and that's just really I mean that's Vinatieri-esque kind yeah. of yeah and snowballing on what you said when you look at the Cowboys uh, they'll look at it as a failure because obviously they didn't win a playoff game, but Dak Prescott, you have to look at him and be impressed. And if you had any questions about him going into that playoff game, I think they've all answered. They were definitely all answered. I think the Cowboys know he's the man of the future. It was great to see his poise, the way he led his team back, his calmness under pressure, and unfortunately ran into Aaron Rodgers, the best, probably most talented quarterback in the league. This season, though, one of the main storylines in the NFL, I think, is the return of the Cowboys. They, they have been... Yeah. Really not that good the past couple of years, especially with Romo injured back and forth. So, you know, they as much as you can live up to the hype, even in a losing effort, I think they did. 
um, against Green Bay because as disappointing as it is, as you said, Brett, I think that they have a lot to look forward to in the future, um, especially with that offense. They've got that offensive line intact. They've got Zeke at that running back position. They've got Dak who, you know, even though he's not one of the elite quarterbacks in the league yet, I think he has the mentality, the right attitude, and I think that he has, you know, the the arm, the mobility that they can be su- successful with him, similar to the way that Seattle's been successful with Russell Wilson, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it pains me to say as a Giant fan, but the Cowboys are set up for a while with Dak and Zeke and that offensive line. I think Jason Garrett is a great coach. The defense is pretty solid. They were good enough this past season, and I think you said, I mean, obviously you're not happy that you lose your only playoff game you played in, especially after going 13-3 and and grabbing the one seed, but they even in that loss, it's clear that they're set up well for the future. I mean, you can't be disappointed in this Cowboys season. If you're a Dallas fan, it's clear that Dak Prescott is the quarterback of the future. I know even though they were down 21-3 and even though people are saying, oh, is Romo going to come in? You were getting the sideline shots of Tony Romo just waiting for his chance. Dak clearly answered the bell, 302 yards, three touchdowns, that one interception. He came up, made big play after big play. Zeke was a monster on the ground, 125 yards. So the Cowboys definitely answer the bell. They may not have won, but when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers, playing the quarterback position, I think right now, better than it's ever been played in the history of football, you can't really expect. There's only so much you could do, and the Cowboys did everything that they could do in that game. And now the question becomes in the offseason, all right, obviously Dak Prescott has answered the the question, is he the future quarterback of the of the Cowboys? I think we can all agree on that, right? He's going to be the quarterback yeah. next season. So now the question is, what do you do with Tony Romo? Well, I think they have to move on from Tony Romo, just kind of burn that bridge and that era. But would I think you trade that him or cut him? I would try and trade him because I think that you, he still has value. So I think that if another team, especially a team in need of a quarterback, you know, you look at a team like Denver who has a lot set up for them, just don't have the right quarterback right now. Um, a team Houston. like even Houston, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if he would want to go to the Jets, <laughs> Brett's Jets, or. Um, the Bears or, or someplace move. like that. <laughs> but um, I, th- I think that one of the main obstacles, actually, for the, the Cowboys looking ahead is, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Tom, is the coach. I think Jason Garrett's kind of mediocre. Their, yeah, their defense isn't great, so they have to improve there, too. But I think that this speaks as well to the Tony Romo and the, the personnel transactions thing is the, the owner. I mean, Jerry Jones kind of gets in the way a lot. You know, we saw it this yeah, he's season. He's saying especially. everything about Tony Romo. He's, he's like, Tony Romo can still win exactly. a Super Bowl. Exactly. And, you, I mean, we learned it from uh, Jed York out in San Francisco. You can't fire owners. So, yeah. you know, uh, Jerry Jones, as much as he might be in the way, he's there to stay. And, um, you know, I mean, I think that's really their biggest issue is having that kind front of culture. Office, the, like yeah, front the front office, office kind of culture that – they're kind of unsure where they want to go from here on out. Well, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jerry Jones. I think what he's been doing lately about Tony Romo, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He adds so much value. I think it's calculated because, obviously, they want to trade him. They want some sort of value. If they can get a defensive pass rusher or even some another offensive weapon that could help Dak out, he's going to try to take advantage of Tony Romo's value. And he is valuable, you have to admit. Um you didn't see him uh, all but one drive this year. He scored a touchdown. So if they can get some value out of him by trading for another player, I think they're going to look to do that. And that's why I think Jerry Jones has been 
parading him around basically the NFL with all his interviews. If he's trying to pump him up, then by all means, that's that's actually a good move, I think, if he's trying to do that. I just don't know how much that really... I think it kind of hurt them this year by, by adding that distraction and just, you know, kind of... it. I kind of felt a sense of uneasiness. Not uneasiness, but just like they didn't really go all in on Dak this year. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was awkward. awkward this year. I mean exactly. The only thing is I think I agree with what you're saying, Brett. I think that it's a smart strategy, uh what Jerry Jones is doing, trying to pump up his value. But I think that with Dak Prescott having such a good playoff game and the Cowboys having such a good season and Dak having such a good season overall, it's pretty clear the Cowboys are going to be committed to Dak Prescott. And that's the only thing that no matter what Jerry Jones says, I think all the other teams in the league realize, look, they want to get rid of Tony Romo anyway, so I don't, we don't need to give them a first-round pick. They may just cut him anyway moving forward because you're not going to spend all that money on a backup quarterback. So I think the Cowboys obviously try to trade him, try to trade him, but I think at the end of the day they'll probably end up cutting him because I don't think they'll get a, a good enough package. And I think that Jerry Jones you know, he has a good relationship with Tony Romo. I think he may at the end of the day say, you know what, let's just cut him and let Tony go wherever he wants to go. I mean, that yeah, that sounds reasonable. The only thing I would, I would think is just – you know, even if it's a a package that they don't really like or or it wasn't what they were expecting, it's still more value than just letting them go. That's the only thing that I look at from the from the management standpoint. But if they want to, you know, cut ties amicably and just you know let Tony do his own thing, then Tom, I think that what you're saying with releasing him might be the better option. Yeah, but maybe we're underplaying how much. Jerry Jones likes Tony Romo because obviously a great year by Dak Prescott. Maybe in the back of his head, it's a he thinks it's a one kind of one hit wonder type deal that we have seen in the NFL before. But um, yeah, I agree with you, Tom. I think they'll probably end up cutting him. I think the team will kind of see behind them and realize that they're going to end up cutting him anyway. Why give him a pick or even a player um, if they're really just he's just going to be an open market. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about now another quarterback that actually played in that game. Aaron Rodgers played just out of his mind. 355 passing yards, two touchdowns, an interception, ran for 16 yards on the ground. I want to make two statements. I want to know if you guys agree or disagree with both, either of them, one of them. One, during this eight-game stretch Aaron Rodgers is on, he's playing the quarterback position better than it's ever been played. And two, that not speaking, because I still think Tom Brady is the most accomplished quarterback of all time. I know this may rile you up, Brendan, a little bit. But if we're talking strictly from a physical skills and tools perspective, Aaron Rodgers is the most gifted quarterback of all time. Well, I agree. I agree with you that he has, you know, the arm, the mobility. He's got all the all the tools that you look at if you want to build like the prototype quarterback. Um, <coughs> excuse me. He um, he's definitely playing just out of his mind right now. Um, I don't I just the thing about the way that Green Bay is working right now where they really seem like a one man show a little bit where where Rodgers is kind of making these receivers better than they are. They don't really have a running game. Their defense is not poor, but they're just kind of mediocre. I I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. Maybe they can make it through the season and win the Super Bowl because I don't know if the other three teams have you know a great roster front to bo- like top to bottom. Um, and maybe they make it through because of that. But if you look at it, I mean, the 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 Packers just rely on Rodgers to make Hail Mary plays or draw it up in the dirt like they are talking about. He just kind of improvised that last right. play and told the receivers what to do. I mean, as great as that is, it's just 
not really as sustainable, I think, as, say, an operation like Dallas, where they're, you know, and Dallas obviously lost, but they're reliant on the run game, and then they set up the passing game through that, and they can, they know what they're getting sort of there. Or if you look at the Patriots, you've got um, those, you know, short and intermediate passes from Tom Brady where he tries to get it out within the first couple of seconds. I don't know if what Aaron Rodgers is doing as, uh, not miraculous, but as admirable as it is right now, I don't know if it's sustainable against the Falcons and then if the Super Bowl, if they make it that far. Yeah, I, I agree with every point you made there, but that makes his kind of run we've had here the past eight games all the more impressive. Right. I mean, look at his defense. It's been banged up. The secondary, still not healthy. You see their injury report now. It's very long. Um, and then offensively, they have a converted wide receiver, Ty Montgomery, playing running back. Uh, Jordy Nelson, their top wide receivers, out last week, questionable this week. So the fact that he's been able to kind of handle all this type of adversity and still go on an eight-game win streak in the NFL, winning in the environment that he won in last weekend, um, speaks to just how talented, how physically gifted, and how impressive he is. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all the points you guys made, and I, I just think it's incredible to watch him play the quarterback position week in and week out. I mean, you said it. When you consider the arm, the accuracy, the mobility, the size, everything, he is like the prototypical quarterback that you would drop in like a lap. He's like the like LeBron is to basketball. That's what Aaron Rodgers is in football. It's incredible. And the question is, will he be able to do it this week, though, against the Falcons? I think before we preview that game, let's talk about that Falcons-Seahawks game first because – that 36-20 Falcons won. I personally thought that was going to be a much closer game than it was. I thought the Seahawks may even win. And I think the Falcons are legit. I said that from the beginning of the playoffs. that I think they could be the team that emerges from the NFC. And I think they answered any doubters that they had with that performance. That offense is ridiculous. I mean, Matt Ryan is great. They've got Julio Jones, who's also great. Some other good um, options in the passing game, Mohamed Sanu, Gabriel, and then that running attack is really solid with Coleman and Freeman. And to see them kind of just dismantle the Seahawks, who have been, you know, maybe the class of the NFL over the past four seasons. They've won a playoff game each of the first five seasons. Russell Wilson has been in the league, which is really impressive. So to see them just take them apart, uh, I think that was a statement game by the Falcons. If you could have a statement game in the playoffs. Yeah, I thought the Seahawks could win that game, as you were saying, Tom, going into it. Um but I think that the the absence of Earl Thomas was pretty underplayed because he's really one, as many heart and soul you know players as they have on that defense. Earl Thomas is right at the very top. He's that safety who makes everybody better. He he complements Cam Chancellor really well. He helps out corners like Richard Sherman. He makes them better. So I think that not having him on defense, having him out with injury, that really hurt the Seahawks and really benefited the Falcons. But that being said, I was very very impressed with. Matt Ryan, who had been one and four until that that game, I wasn't sure if he could really get get past those uh, postseason demons that he's been facing. But he was he was tremendous. I mean, he had a one twenty five rating. He he did take three sacks, but he had three touchdowns, just a seventy percent completion percentage. He made all the big plays when he had to as well. And and they have so many weapons on that offense from those running backs with um, Freeman and uh, help me out. Coleman. Coleman, Coleman yeah. and then you've got you know Jones, Sanu, all those weapons, and Gabriel, all those weapons in the the passing attack. So their offense is is the real deal. I think that their weakness may come on defense. Yeah, and Matt Ryan kind of always been in that is he elite, is he not class? 
Uh, his numbers he's putting up in his career have been phenomenal this year, obviously in the running for the MVP. So I think this game, the last game versus Seattle, you could tell at the end maybe he got a little um, the monkey off his back after his only second career playoff win. He had to get it. It was at home. And I think there's even more pressure on him this week because you see um, how injured Green Bay is. Uh, the fact that this is the last game at the Georgia Dome at home. He's got all the weapons that you mentioned before. So to really validate his career and really prove his legitimacy, I think he needs to win and advance to the Super Bowl. Maybe not win the Super Bowl, but all quarterbacks, fair or not, are judged on this winning in the playoff scale. And only two wins in the playoffs to his career, he's got to make it three to kind of validate the season. Yeah, I mean, I think Matt Ryan is a really good quarterback anyway, but I get what you're saying. Everyone's going to judge him. Has he won a Super Bowl? And But if you look at the numbers, he's put up good numbers. And also, really, since he's been the quarterback of the Falcons, they've had two, three bad seasons maybe, but they've been playoff contenders. I mean, really, year in and year out, they've been. this is going to be their second conference championship game under him. They lost to the 49ers, what, four years ago, I guess that was now. But, I mean, I think this is the maybe the best Falcons team that he's ever had assembled around him. And I I think this is, we could now, let's move into previewing, you know, the Packers-Falcons game. This is going to be first to 40, maybe. I mean, the spread on this game, I think the over-under is at like 60-61. So they're, Vegas and everyone is expecting a huge high-scoring game. I think it's going to deliver. I think the only thing that maybe will suppress the scoring a little bit is if uh, those receivers, because Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and Geronimo Allison, three Packers receivers, are all listed as questionable and all listed as game-time decisions. I'll ex- I'd expect at least one or two of them to play, right? They say Jordy Nelson may be the biggest long shot of the three, but the only thing is, is as great as Aaron Rodgers has been playing, if he really doesn't have any weapons around him, then that's going to stop this game from being as much of a shootout as everyone expects it to be. But on the other side of the ball, especially you saw how the Packers secondary just got shredded by the Cowboys. I think the Falcons passing attack is even better than the Cowboys passing attack. There is no way I don't think the Packers are going to slow down the Falcons. And the Falcons also have a really good running game, too, to go along with it. So the Falcons are going to put up at least, I would say, 30 to 40 points. The question is, can the Packers, can Aaron Rodgers, playing the quarterback position as well as anyone ever have, can he keep up even if he doesn't have the weapons around I think that's what it comes down to well as I said I think Atlanta's weakness comes on defense and I think that but their defense isn't even that bad they're not bad they're, they're mediocre Vic Beasley could be the defensive player of the year no, but yeah. I know what you mean that is definitely yeah more Vic weak Beasley's than legit but I mean yeah uh when you look at Rodgers I think that a huge key to this run he's been on too is that offensive line we talk about you know, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and everything. But we've seen a trend the last few years. We see it with the Cowboys. We see it with other teams, too. The offensive line, the protection that the quarterbacks get is so key. We're seeing it even in New England. Last year, Von Miller tore him up. Uh, the Broncos reached the Super Bowl because they could attack that offensive line, didn't give Brady much time. Now uh, that that Patriots line is sort of coming together. And when you look at Green Bay, they've got, I think, two is it two pro bowl tackles and a pro bowl center they've got guys all across that line who are just top of the top of the league just the class of the NFL so if they can protect Rodgers and give him time i think that's something that the packers can look to as a way to stay in this game and and match uh the falcons point for point yeah i think a very interesting they're not they won't be on the field together obviously cuz but clay matthews who has been banged up for a lot of the year but has seemed to hit his stride and then as you mentioned Beasley who led the league in sacks that's a kind 
kind of a matchup, but I think will have a big impact on the game. I think maybe some one of them has to make a play, maybe a strip sack, um, maybe a forced fumble, whatever you have to do. I think there's going to be a lot of points, so a defensive stop will be big, and I think it's one of those two guys that has to make a play for their team to advance to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I think that whichever defense does make more plays will ultimately win. Maybe can you force the turnovers, but I pretty much see this game going one of two ways. I either see this being a high-scoring shootout, maybe like a 30-27 to 27 win either way, or I think the Falcons will blow out the Packers. I don't think there's any way that the Packers, with all those injuries, with that weak defense, are going to go in there and blow out the Falcons. I just don't think that's a possibility, especially in Atlanta. But I, I can see, I don't think it'll happen because I think Aaron Rodgers is too good, but I think it's more likely for sure that the Falcons will blow out the Packers. They get up early like they did on Seattle and that you just can't catch them and Aaron Rodgers can't overcome all the injuries around them. I think that's more likely. You agree that it's more likely the Falcons will blow them out? Sure, but one one thing that, one factor that but I'll if be... It, and I should add, if it's a close game though, I'd rather take my chance with Rodgers than right, Matt Ryan. yeah. One thing I would add, though, is one factor I'll be interested to see how it plays out is, you know, you've got, you're the two seed, you're the you're the highest remaining seed in the NFC. It's the last game at your home stadium, the Georgia Dome. You've got the front runner for MVP, Matt Ryan. And you've got, you know, a, a better offense than the Packers. That's just, right. we As all agree, whole, right? Statistically, yeah. yeah. And some would say a better defense than the Packers, too. So you're really the favorite in this game. I think Vegas has them at, like, a minus five. Something so like that, yeah. so they're they're the favorite in this game. I'll be interested to see if we mentioned it earlier, Matt Ryan two and four in the playoffs, so the Falcons kind of in the Matt Ryan era, they're two and four in the playoffs, obviously. So I'll be interested to see if they've really gotten over those jitters or if that was just kind of a one time thing last week with, with Seattle being banged up the the way that they were and if it sends them really back to the drawing board this offseason with a loss to Green Bay. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I think the pressure is on Atlanta, yeah. which is basically what you're saying. I think that's definitely yes. true with yeah. the Georgia Dome and with you know the the playoff monkey on Matt Ryan's back. This but, is their year kind of thing. Yeah, you know? exactly. They so have everything set up for it's them. It's interesting how do they respond to all that pressure. But you know, on on the other side of that coin, I think you could say there's a lot of pressure on the Packers too because I know that you know they started four and six. I know that they have all these injuries and they're you know on the road. They were the four seed. They're not expected to do as much, but. Aaron Rodgers is getting to a point in his career where he's now, well, let's see, he's 33. He's going to be 34 in December of next season, and he still only won one Super Bowl. And the Aaron Rodgers critics, which they're starting to get silent more as this season goes along, but the Aaron Rodgers critics will say, all right, that's great. He puts up all these numbers. He's got all these skills, but he only has one Super Bowl. And you now Aaron Rodgers, it's hard in the NFL. Not every team could be the Patriots, Brendan, where they get to the conference <laughs> championship just every single year. So this is another year where Rodgers got to the conference championship. And when you get to this point, when you get to that point, especially when you're this late in your career, you don't know how many more chances you're going to have to get back there. So I think that there is a lot of pressure on the Falcons as a whole, but I think there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers too because if he wants to – I don't know how concerned he is, you know, with his legacy at this point, but for people, you know, like us who are judging his legacy, because that's what we do, we just talk about other people, but he's he's got to be thinking in his head, you know, if he's going to be considered one of those upper echelon quarterbacks of all time, he's got to start winning, like, multiple Super Bowls, and this year is as good a shot as any. Yeah, right, I agree with you on every point there, but I just think this year, the way he's played, and then that you factor in all the injuries that are coming into this week, um, I just... I think he has pressure on him. Obviously, both teams do. It's a huge game, but uh, I think he's going to come in 
knowing that he's the underdog. They doubted him last week. He came up. They doubted him again this week. So, um, and, and then, obviously, he has that Super Bowl, which right. some of the greats that you met, uh, Dan Marino's never won a Super Bowl. So he, you could see that everyone knows that it's hard to win. He's got one under his belt. And I just think all the pressures here is on Atlanta because of all the circumstances. They're home, and they're overall just a better team, I believe. Yeah, and and the one thing I would kind of rebut out of what you what you said earlier, Tom, was I think Aaron Rodgers does see the big picture, does kind of look at his legacy. One thing that's like I think he has a a big ego, kind of knows his brand, knows his yeah, his yeah. thing, and that's kind of one thing that's always rubbed me the wrong way about Aaron Rodgers is kind of that arrogance, kind of like not not the will run the table family, yeah, <laughs> not the not the run the table comment kind of thing, but the. The kind of thing where like, nah, I've made better throws. Like, nah, I can, yeah. I can do it. He's yeah. smug. He's, he's smug. Oh, he's, he's always very got that smug, smug he's, smirk on his he's face. He's got that like championship belt. Like, yeah. But, but I, I mean, it's all warranted because he's he's that good. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think he does think about his legacy, but I think he's thinking I want to win this week more because I want to win a Super Bowl, not because I want to you know improve my legacy. I mean, I know winning the Super Bowl does improve his legacy, but. You know, I think he's more just focused on the Falcons than he is focused on how this is going to affect his sure, career in yeah. the long run. But yeah, it's it's definitely in the and, back and of maximizing mind. that window, as you said. You you never know how many times you'll get back, and you never know how many quality le- years you still have left in you. Like if we look at Rogers, I mean, he's thirty. He's going to be thirty four next season, right. as you said. When is he going to lose that mobility? Because one of the things that makes him so great is getting out of the pocket, extending the play. And he's got a cannon for an arm, so just extending the play, waiting for his receivers to get open downfield, and then just firing it in there. So how much longer can he play that style? It remains to be seen, and and that's why he's got to make the most out of every opportunity, including this year. All right, let's pick it. We've talked about it enough. Who do you guys have, Falcons or Packers? I'm going to go with Atlanta just because they got everything kind of for them right now. Uh, the home crowd, the the weapons. I just think kind of it is their time, and um, I just think with the Packers, how depleted they are right now in terms of um, talent, especially at the skill position. Uh, I think Atlanta is going to win this one by probably over the spread. I'd say around a touchdown. I'm going to go with my head, even though my heart is saying that you know Atlanta's still that that team with the ghosts in the playoffs, and Green Bay's got you know Aaron Rodgers, who's riding one of the hottest hot streaks that we've ever seen from a quarterback. Uh, but I'm going to go with my head and say Atlanta, probably high 30s, maybe maybe like a 37-34 type of game. Um, but I, I think it's going to be extremely close, and, and we'll see if the pressure catches up to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, well, it's going to be a clean sweep because I'm picking the Falcons too. I think it'll be a good one. I say they win 38-27. I think Atlanta wins. I, I just think that they're a lot more talented than the Packers, especially being at home. And if Aaron Rodgers had a healthy Jordy Nelson, a healthy Devonta Adams, a healthy Geronimo Allison, if he had all these healthy receivers, then I would take the Packers. But I just think they're too banged up, and they've had two great wins. I know you could say you compare compare this to the run they made in 2010 when they won the Super Bowl, but that was that was a different team, and I think he had more weapons around him. I I just think the Falcons are are too good of a team. I think the Falcons will win. It'll be a high scoring one. I think it'll be close, and then maybe the Falcons sort of pull away at the end, but I'm taking the Falcons too. All right, so let's move on to the AFC. It's Patriots hosting the Steelers, sixth straight conference championship, AFC championship for the Patriots. It's going to be the 
15th time in the last 16 years or 14th time in the last 15 years, something like that, that the AFC representative uh, quarterback is either going to be Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger, which is just crazy. <laughs> I mean, talk about a lack of parity. Only Joe Flacco is the only one that snuck in there since, yeah, 2003. Yeah, so 15 seasons, 2003 on, the past 15 seasons. Or is that, I don't know, whatever, it's 15, whatever it is. I think, it's 15 I think seasons, you got it right. Whatever it is. I'm not <laughs> in the mood to do math. We just got back <laughs> for this semester. But it's it's just been an absolute domination from those three guys at the top. The Steelers, though, this is going to be the 640 game. This is the later game on Sunday. The Steelers have never really beaten the Patriots in a big game. It seems like the Patriots always do win those big games. So I think this will be a a good one. First, though, let's talk about how both these teams kind of got here from this past weekend. Patriots beat the Texans, put a beat down on them really pretty well. I know it was a little close, 14-13 at one point, but I don't think anyone for a second thought Houston was actually going to pull that out. I did, uh, but you know that's, <laughs> I know, I mean, that's just because I'm I'm a cynical yeah, guess, yeah. fan. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the Patriots really didn't prove anything to me last week because they they beat up on Brock Osweiler, who's really, I mean, yeah. I think we've all, yeah, <laughs> I think we though. can all agree based on what happened this season that he's really not what he was cut out to be with that big contract, um, and you know they they survived the the top defense in the league in uh, Houston, but they really didn't play that well. They didn't play a clean game. They turned the ball over a lot. Um, Deion Lewis, as good as he was, he had, um, you know, the first hat trick, as as you would call it, in uh, playoff history with the return touchdown or receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So as much as of an X factor as he was, he did turn the ball over twice. He fumbled the ball once on a kickoff return, once on a run. Texans turned that into points. Uh, Tom Brady, two interceptions, continues a trend. He has 64% more interceptions in his playoff career than in his regular season career. So as good as Tom Brady is in the playoffs, he is susceptible to a, a choke to a turnover. <laughs> Can we get a quote from Brendan O'Connell? Yeah, Tom that's Brady exactly what I'm saying, artist. Tom. No, but um, so there, there are definitely ways to beat the Patriots, and I think that Houston, despite losing by 18 points, I think they could have exploited that. We'll see if Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh coaching staff can turn that into a, a game plan that's good enough from the defensive side to beat the Patriots' offense. And when you look at the game last week, obviously it wasn't their most impressive showing, but I almost think this that kind of helps a team like the Patriots, especially the way they are, the way their mentality is on um, both sides of the ball and the way they're obviously their coach thinks. And you could tell in the um, post game that they seemed like they almost lost the way they were talking, <laughs> which speaks to their brilliance they just win a playoff game which is hard to do but it seemed that they were very disappointed especially Tom Brady who threw two picks and he had all of two he had two picks all of this year in um, every regular season game so um, I think this almost helps them maybe a little bit of wake-up call that hey we can be beat and obviously they know the Steelers have a ridiculous amount of weapons uh, especially offensively so uh, almost a tight game here ended up winning by 18 I think it helps them a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if anything, the fact that they didn't play as well as they did and they still won a playoff game by 18 points as if, <laughs> and, and people are upset, I mean, that just speaks to the Patriots' greatness. So I, I don't think – I mean, that was probably the most predictable and boring game of the weekend. It was a little exciting to see Clowney get at uh, Brady a little bit. And, you know, I guess maybe for some Patriot fans, maybe you, there were shades of Giants pass rush getting at him because if you <laughs> if you want to beat the Patriots, that's how you do it. You knock Tom Brady down. So, but I, I mean, I don't think there was any really realistic 
just football fans, not Patriot fans, were worried that thought there's <laughs> any way the Texans were going to win that game. And then the other AFC game was the another good game. It was uh, the Steelers-Chiefs game. Steelers won 18-16, six field goals for the Steelers. That game got pushed back. It was like the most watched playoff game ever in one of the first two rounds. So who knows if that's going to start. Smart you know, play, There's going to be an ice, yeah. ice storm every, uh, every conference. There's week, an ice storm in Miami this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that was a fun game. I mean, that uh, – not as high scoring, obviously, as the Packers-Cowboys games, but close game between two really good teams, the Steelers and the Chiefs. I think uh, those were clearly the two best teams in the AFC outside of the Patriots this season, so it was fun to see them face off into your classic Andy Reid moments at the end of the yeah. game, burning his timeouts, just not knowing what to do in close situations. So I think that game w- was really exciting, and I, th- I thought the Chiefs were going to win that, actually, and I think that I really impressed with the Steelers' performance that they were able to go in there, win a road game against a really good team, a really good defense, and win despite not scoring any touchdowns. And they're supposed to be that killer bees offense, and they showed that, hey, we can win in a multitude of ways. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I thought it was very impressive. Um, some people obviously be, be skeptical because they didn't score a touchdown. Right. But to score six field goals, that means you have to be around the end zone. So if they can find a way to obviously convert that, they're going to have to score more than 18, I believe, to obviously beat the Patriots on the road. But a very impressive win. I was very impressed with their defense because we have seen the Chiefs go off at some points. They have some weapons, Travis Kelsey, Alex Smith, uh, not really in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's a dual threat that can uh, exploit you on defense. So a very impressive win. Obviously, any road wins hard, and I look for them to have a very competitive game against New England. Yeah, and they know that they have to convert those field goals into touchdowns when they play a road game in Foxborough against the the top-ranked Patriots. And I think that they can do that because you look at Le'Veon Bell's been extremely effective this postseason run. He's been great. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he's he's a quarterback who's very experienced, um, maybe not against the Patriots. As you were saying, Tom, 14 of the last 15 years, it's been Roethlisberger, Brady, or Manning. And this is only the second time that Brady and Roethlisberger will meet in the playoffs. I think their their first time was in 04, maybe, Roethlisberger's rookie year. So really, they don't have a lot of playoff matchups to go off of. But Roethlisberger, always a threat. Then you have Antonio Brown, obviously, on the outside as a wide receiver. They're a little bit banged up, too, with their receiving core and their, their tight end core. But I think that if they can mesh that that Le'Veon Bell aspect that running game aspect of their offense with a solid performance throwing the ball from Roethlisberger because he hasn't been great on the road. He's nine touchdowns, nine interceptions this year compared to at home. He's 20, 20 to five ratio. So if Roethlisberger can put together one of those good Roethlisberger games and get a connection going with Antonio Brown, the Patriots defense is certainly susceptible. They're really an overrated crew, I think, despite their number one ranking in points in the league. They really they don't have a lot of talent. I think Malcolm Butler is good at the cornerback position. I think that Dante Hightower is good. Devin McCourty is good. Uh, even Allen Branch is good. But they don't have a lot of guys where you go, ooh, look out. Like Darrell Revis in his prime. They had Jamie Collins even earlier this year. I think he's a guy who can go off in a game, kind of take it over from the defensive end. So, I mean, Pittsburgh, they do have a way to beat these Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is going to be a really exciting game. And, yeah, the only time that they met in the playoffs was 2004. 
2004 season was in 2005, that conference championship game where the Patriots beat the Steelers. And uh, these teams, like you said, they're always in it. We said it's going to be 14 to 15 years where one of these two or Peyton is in the Super Bowl from the AFC. But, you know, we've only seen it one time where they've matched up in the playoffs at all and, and in the conference championship. So these are two of the NFL's most successful franchises historically, two elite quarterbacks, two, you know, storied coaches, owners, whatever. I mean, I think this is really two titans of the NFL facing off, and both are really good, and you can make an argument for either team in this game. I think, like you said, Pittsburgh has a lot of things going for them. You look at that offense, you have a great quarterback in Roethlisberger, and then you can argue that they have the best running back in Le'Veon Bell and the best wide receiver in Antonio Brown. Their defense has been pretty solid. They've been more susceptible against the run but overall, it's been an average defense, not as, as weak as it's been in the past couple seasons. And the Patriots, I mean, they're the Patriots. Even without Gronkowski, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. And I was looking, actually, and I don't know if you've realized this, Brendan, but with Deion Lewis active for the Patriots, they've never lost a game. And, and 15 and 0, right? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, over the last year and this year. So, I mean, that's just incredible i mean i know that he might be a he's not coincidence wrong <laughs> it could be a coincidence but i mean he is really a weapon I he, mean, he does so much sure. well and he fits so well in that bill belichick offense because he could do so many things that i, I don't i i'm really torn on this game i i think the other i think both these games should be close it was easier for me to pick the other game because i think the falcons the the gap in talent between the falcons and packers on their overall teams is more apparent than this one is here because I don't know. I mean, I know the Patriots get to the Super Bowl. They've gotten to the Super Bowl six times. They always find a way to get there, but they do lose in the playoffs sometimes. They don't get to the Super Bowl every single year, and I know it's harder to beat them in Foxborough, and maybe this is just the Steelers' year. I, I'm so torn on this game. I don't know. I mean, I'm in the same exact boat as you are. I'm, every, I'm looking, I'm seesawing back and forth because I really just don't know how this game's going to play out. Obviously, it's going to be a competitive game, but the one thing that's kind of – as we speak here, making me lean a little bit towards the Steelers is they have Le'Veon Bell. And then to beat the Patriots, you have to keep Tom Brady off the field. Yeah. And we've seen it in the past, and we saw it even last week. They'll just keep giving him the ball if it's successful, and they'll keep marching down, taking time with the clock. He had 30 carries last weekend. I expect that probably to be more this weekend just because they want the clock keep running. They want Brady off the field, and they want to tire out the Patriots' um, defense and a lot of snaps, a lot of run game will do that, and then it'll also open up the passing game with Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's a huge key. I think that the Patriots probably, if they really you know, coach it up this way, they can probably put a guy like Logan Ryan, who's their second corner, as well as a safety on top to to cover Antonio Brown and then put Malcolm Butler on Pittsburgh's second-best uh, second second receiving option. But I think that... Like and they can shut down the passing game a little bit that way. I think that the X factor in this game might come down to the way that Bill Belichick and that defensive coaching staff gets their front seven to play against Le'Veon Bell. Because if you can get Allen Branch, uh, Malcolm Brown, guys like that to to um, flood the middle, come up inside, and kind of own the trenches against that Pittsburgh offensive line, I think that you can sort of slow down Le'Veon Bell that way. But we we saw it earlier this Le'Veon season. Le'Veon Bell slows himself down. With I, how patient he is. True, I, true. But we saw it earlier this season, even with Ross, Roethlisberger out and the Patriots facing Landry Jones. Landry Jones and that offense still kept the Steelers in that game. It was pretty close, uh, closer than I thought it was going to be. That game was in Pittsburgh, though, too. It was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think that 
that's a, that's another point that I was going to touch on. The, a huge key in this game, as as much as Gillette Stadium's not that great of a home field advantage, the if you look at the just the numbers, the Patriots and the Tom Brady Bill Belichick era. John, our producer John Furlong is making a face that he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> buy that Gillette is not a home field advantage. They're, well, <laughs> the the fans. I mean, I love Boston and I love the fans, but they're just not they're not what you think they are at Gillette Stadium. They're kind of quiet. They're kind of like, oh, you know, like last week. So you're week, saying it's more atmosphere. Last week they were booing when the Patriots were up like 10 points because they weren't playing well. But <laughs> I I, can't, I mean, I, but I think that they're anyway, so good at, at home at, because of the team. Yes, more so than, absolutely. Than and the in the fans. playoffs. It's not like Seattle or Kansas in City. In the playoffs like at home atmosphere. in this era under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they're 16-3. and three. They yeah. rarely lose in the playoffs at home. <laughs> Two but of those are it to does, the Ravens, It does right? happen. It happened to the Ravens in Who's the conference championship. The Ravens, and what's the third loss? Um, uh, let's see. It's two to the Ravens, one to the Jets. Oh, Jets right. beat them. Yeah. There you go, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> um, Long time ago. But but the Ravens, that some of those Ravens teams, obviously, I mean, the Ravens and the Steelers are pretty similar. They're bitter yeah. rivals, and they both play, you know, really mentally tough, physically tough football you know they they use the ground game they use the pass game they kind of have that balance on offense and then they have just uh not not dirty defenses but hard-hitting defenses who know how to get after the passer and also shut down those uh those passing options and the Patriots really don't have that great of a run game this year despite LeGarrette's LeGarrette Blunt's 18 touchdowns and 1,000 rushing yards it's really not all it's cut out to be so I I think the Patriots are really in a weak spot here, despite their I'm surprised all despite their history. I think at home. this is just you. You don't want to get yourself too excited and think they're going to win. I don't know. I I, I, I mean I'm know. torn. Do you, well, Brett? I'll go to you first. Do you have a, a or anything you want to add and a pick? Oh, put me on the spot. Here. No, I'm going to take the Steelers. Um, like I said before, I think the running game will kind of stabilize it, make it as to Tom Brady's not getting as many snaps. Um, I could maybe even change my pick by Saturday. I really don't know. That's how close. I think this game's going to be. Yeah. Um, but I think the a really great matchup that we're going to see in the passing game is Malcolm Butler versus Antonio Brown, two pro ballers. Um, obviously, th- the biggest game of their season. It's going to be really interesting to see who wins that battle because I think once the running game kind of opens up, I think the Steelers are going to look to go over the top and who uh, who better than Antonio Brown. But I'm going to take the Steelers in a real close, real close one. Uh, I'm going to say about, about a field goal. Yeah, I mean, I said it in the open that I'm very, very nervous about this game. And I think that one of the reasons is because the Patriots, despite their 14-2 and record, despite, you know, having the quote-unquote stingiest defense in the league, you know... The defense isn't as good. I mean, I know some people are trying to say, oh, if the Steelers couldn't score against Kansas City... The, no. The Chiefs' defense is better than the Much Patriots' better. defense. The, the Patriots' Ta- defense is wise, average at best. Yeah. So, uh, and then you look at Goskowski, he's kind of hit or miss this year with in the kicking game um you know and and you look on the other side boswell six of six last week so i mean i'm i'm torn on this one i'm i'm gonna go hard overhead you know as opposed to where i went head over heart in the last <laughs> matchup i'm gonna go hard overhead and i'm gonna say patriots pull this one out at home reach their seventh super bowl under tom brady um Tom, you have a look of absolute disgust. But. No, I'm not disgusted. <laughs> I, I'm not sure no. I'm going to pick. What, John, no, we'll bring in John Furlong, our producer. Who do you have in this game? And you give us a pick for the other game, too. Hey, what's going on, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, cool. So 
Which one of you? Which ones of you took the Falcons in the in the NFC title game? All of us. Raise your hand if you took the Falcons in the title game. You guys are idiots. <laughs> Have you? Ha, did you watch Aaron Rodgers last weekend? You're gonna pick against Aaron Rodgers at his best against a, t- a, a Falcons team that is not as good as the Cowboys. I think you guys are ridiculous. They're I think more hurt the than the Green Bay Packers win Packers. this one by at least ten. And then in the second game, I think that Brett is absolutely right, 100% right here. Le'Veon Bell is going to keep Tom Brady off the field. This is a tough, tough matchup for the Patriots. I mean, yes, they are very, very good at home, but this defense has been overlooked a lot. It's really not as good as a lot of people might think. Brendan kind of touched on it there that the Chiefs defense really is better than the Patriots defense. So I'm going to go the Steelers by four. I know that's oddly specific, but I'm going to go (laughs) 28-24 Steelers. And we got a Steelers-Packers Super Bowl and a rematch of Super Bowl forty-five oh. six years ago. Real, real quick, I don't think we've mentioned it, you know, nearly as much as it should be mentioned. But Gronkowski being out is huge. Yeah. You got Bennett, who's, you know, supposed to be his backup. He's banged he's up. Questionable though, too. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah he's, banged he's banged up. up. He's you don't even know if he's going to play. So, um, Gronkowski, I think in in all of the matchups that Gronk has had against the Steelers, Brady and Gronk, that connection is like. 30 of 36 for eight touchdowns in five games. It's something ridiculous. So not having him is going to be a huge, huge difference. Despite Tom Brady's success in his career against the Steelers, a lot of it has come with a weapon like Gronk at his disposal. Yeah, so I guess that's my... So John has Steelers, Packers. Brendan, you have Patriots, Falcons. You have Steelers, Falcons. So I'm going to have the same pick as one of you two because obviously it's either the Patriots or the Steelers. This, This may not make great radio but i'm just going to take a second to think about it uh now i'm gonna go with the patriots i don't know i was, I was trying <laughs> to pull the trigger and go with the steelers but i'm not gonna pick against tom brady and bill belichick at home uh, i think coaching is a factor here i think bill belichick is head and shoulders above mike tomlin in the coaching department i don't think that's even close Dion lewis is i know they don't have gronk but and I know Deion Lewis is not nearly as good as Gronkowski, but he does make an impact. So you have another impact player in there for Brady, and you have Edelman, Hogan, Martellus Bennett, James White sometimes out of the backfield. So he has plenty of weapons around him. I don't think his, you know, he doesn't have as depleted of receiving options as he's had in some of the seasons that they have lost in the playoffs. So I, I think I think the Patriots are going to win this one. I think it will be close. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I'm going to say the Patriots win. I don't know, 24-20. I, I think it's going to be a really good game. That'll set up a Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. It's going to be a last drive kind of game, though. So. You think? I think so. I think it's going to come down to kind of who has the ball last and what what playmaker that none of us have even mentioned is going to come out of the week. <laughs> yeah. Darius Hayward Bay. That <laughs> seems to be first. Exactly. That seems to be what's, <laughs> what seems to happen in, in the playoffs here. It's, it's either going to be a Darius Hayward Bay touchdown or a Patrick Chung interception or something silly. <laughs> So, I mean, we'll see. All right, guys, you got anything else you want to add? No? Nothing, nothing for me. Excited for the weekend, that's L- all. A little go-pats, a little fandom in here, but I know I know that drives producers crazy, John. Sorry about that, but <laughs> I did have to throw it in there, despite being in New York. All People right, can guys. attack me all they want. <laughs> that's it for NFL Friday, the conference championship round. Thanks to John Furlong for producing, Brendan O'Connell and Brett Lambert for hosting along with me. I'm Tom Scabelli. Till next week, this has been NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.